Well, as we talk about prayers of, of petition, in the most simple form, the way we can define this, is asking God for things. And if you think about prayer life, and the lowest common denominator of, denominator of any Christian, whether they're brand new or they've been in the faith their whole lives, is that prayer often boils down to asking God for stuff. Okay, now we know that prayer is, is so much more than that, but it's not any less than that. In fact, that's a, a core component of our faith and an important aspect of prayer life is asking God for things. And what I want to do today is take a well-rounded look at the scriptures. You're going to see five of them listed on the screen right now. And I really, as I was prepping through this message, thought we need to take a good look at a number of different verses to understand what petitionary prayer is. And so we're going to look at five important aspects of petitionary prayer today. And there's going to be a bit of Bible flipping, and I encourage you to do that because I want you to see these words in your own Bibles today, but all the verses will also be up on the screen. But we're going to start in the Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel, chapter 14. As we look at an important aspect of petitionary prayer, what we understand is that God does give us, give to us when we ask. There is a relationship between asking and receiving. And it's important to understand that relationship and how that works. But that is the amazing part for me of prayer is that God hears us, that we can ask him of something, and that the creator of the universe will listen to lowly little us and give us what we're asking for. It's an amazing thing, but it also can be a very confusing thing as a believer. And, but we have to understand the relationship here between asking and receiving and how this works. So what he is writing to the disciples here in, in John 14, and consequently to, to us as well, is that you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, this is one of dozens of examples of Jesus saying essentially the same thing throughout the Gospels. He says it in the very next chapter in John 15, Ask whatever you wish, it'll be given to you. John 16, My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And throughout the Gospels and throughout the New Testament, we see the same idea over and over again, that we can ask things of God and that he will give them to us. Now, here's the confusing and sometimes frustrating part, because I know all of you are in the same spot that I am as I read verses like this, where I say, well, hold on, God. I've asked you for things, and you've not given them to me. So how does this work? And this idea of unanswered prayer is one of those uh, things that has troubled many people for many years, because all of us at, at, at some level must admit some level of perplexity over this very issue. There's a sting for asking for things and not receiving them, especially when it's something that could be very good or very impactful. And you ask the questions like, well, God, I've been praying for my business to succeed, and yet it failed and it folded over. I've been praying for these relational issues with me and my friends and my family to get better, and now they're worse. I prayed for this cancer to be removed from me, and yet it stayed, and I'm dying. So what gives? And it's something that has troubled Christians for many years. C.S. Lewis actually has a quote that says, Every famine, every war, and nearly every 
person lost on a deathbed is the result of unanswered prayer. So how do we read something like, ask me anything and I'll do it, and make sense of that? Well, here's one thing that needs to be made clear. There's a condition to all of these promises that Jesus makes. He says, if you pray or if you ask me for anything in my name, I'll do it. In John 15, the next chapter, he says, if, here's the condition, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. In all of these, there's a component of some level of faith in God that he knows what's best and his will is above ours and his understanding is greater than ours in any situation. And when we pray, it is not simply to get what we want from God, but to understand his will for us. And this prayer starts to shape and deform us. The condition here is if you ask for anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, before you go home and fall on your knees and beg for the new Ferrari in the name of Jesus, this isn't some magical incarnation or mantra. It's not some abracadabra magic word to get whatever you want. Because Jesus never promised that we will get whatever we want when we pray, ever. And if you have this understanding that if you simply believe hard enough and use the name of Jesus enough in prayer that he'll give you whatever you want in any moment, it's only going to lead to confusion and pain and shame. And there's a false gospel that is alive and well in our country that has damaged a lot of Christians over the years. This is the prosperity gospel which says that God wants only the best for you, that he is willing to give you just tons of blessings and abundance of wealth and never be sick if you simply believe hard enough and you demand it of God while using the name of Jesus. And this is a false concept of prayer. To pray in the name of Jesus is not simply using his name at the end of what you want, but rather to pray according to his power, his authority, his character, and his will, and for his glory. And if you were to have someone uh, give you access to their bank account, they could have you come in and draw from that wealth if they give you their name to do it. And that's exactly the words that are used here in the Greek, is giving some sort of authority to us, while it's, uh, while it's also in line with the character and the will of those who have power. And Jesus now is our intercessor, our mediator with God. And if we pray in his name, it means we bring his prayers to the Son of we bring our prayers to the Son of God, who brings them to the Father. And he'll only bring them to the Father if they're in line with his will and his character. See, here's a mental exercise we can do in this whole situation. When we're we're petitionary prayer, just imagine for a second you have two imaginary columns. One column is what I want, the other column is what God wants. Okay, just, just think about where that, that would go in either column as you're praying and asking things of God. And if we're really honest, a lot of times we're really dominating that what, what I want column. And you might think now the purpose of prayer then is to just neglect this column and fill this column, what God wants. And that would be good, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of prayer is to make those two columns into one. That what we want 
becomes what God wants. And if you're praying for something over and over and over again and you're hearing an abundant no, that means that's not a part of God's will. And if it's not a part of God's will, then you shouldn't want it to be part of your life. So much of our prayer life is spent trying to get what we want from God and and, and trying to convince Him this is what's best for our lives. But it's about transforming your lives and your wills and your wants to align with God's. A good visual I was made aware of uh, this last week, speaking of boating and fishing, is from E. Stanley Jones. And he talked about when you're on the water in a boat, consider yourself the vessel in this scenario. You might be rocked by the waves and pushed around, and you're trying to dock and come to a place of safety. What you need to do is reach out and grab a fixed point on shore, like a, like a dock or a rock or something, and, and pull yourself in. And that's what prayer life is like, where you might be thinking you know what you need from God and, and life is uncertain, but you need to find the fixed point. And in, in this scenario, you bring the boat or the vessel to the fixed point on shore. And prayer is not making God agree with you, but making you agree with God. There's a transformative part of petitionary prayer that we often miss out at. And you can hear yes, and you can hear no. But no is one of the most loving answers you can ever receive. Because God knows what is best for you and wants you to conform to his will. So that's kind of the hard part of all this, is figuring out, why do I hear no from God? Well, it's because he loves you. And he knows what's best for you. And as hard as it may be to accept, that's the, that's the best answer you can accept in that moment. Pray according to his will. Pray in the name of Jesus. But here's the second thing we can understand about prayer. And this is now back a couple of books in, in Matthew. Matthew 7, verse 11. We read, If you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. We understand from this is God wants us to ask things of him. God loves to hear our requests. And God will give you the loving answer that only a father can give. And in this situation, we see this scenario, and and it's calling us earthly people evil. Jesus is saying that. And another word for that could just mean imperfect. right? We're not perfect compared to God. We may be very good people in a, in a comparison sense, but compared to God, we are evil, right? And if we are asked by our kids for food, is what it says before this, and I'm just imagining my own five-year-old saying, Dad, I'm hungry, can I have something to eat? I wouldn't give him a stone. That's just cruel, right? I would give him bread. I would give him food. And we love to give gifts to our own children, but we're still not perfect. God is our perfect Father in heaven. And if we ask of him things, he's going to love to give us the gifts we need. God is more perfect and generous and loving than we could ever be. Why would we be afraid to ask him of things? And the words here, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who seek him, are the key words here. Well, how much more can God bless you than we could bless our own kids? Immeasurably more. God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. 
And he is inviting us to bring all of these things to him. It's kind of a quick aside here. I think there's three overarching misconceptions we can have about prayer, petitionary prayer, asking God for things. And the first is this, is, is if we ask God for things, it's kind of this unbecoming thing, right? It's kind of rude, or, or how are we, you know, you know, we're not doing so bad compared to the other people in the world. Why should we bother him with our insignificant things? But as we look at petitionary prayer, we have to hinge off of the verse we just read, that this is a father-child relationship. God is our Father in heaven, and we are all children before him. And it doesn't matter whether you're a brand new believer or you've been a believer maturing for decades and you have a deep understanding of prayer. God is our Father, and we are kids spiritually. And we don't understand everything as he does. And so I've had this understanding what this father-child relationship is like as I've been a dad now for five years. And I've, I've experienced this as a parent where I see my son struggling with something. And he's growing in his independence and he's really trying to figure things out and trying to do things himself. And I'll see him struggle to, with his toy and he comes from a different angle and tries it a different way. And, and there's this moment that's so heart-melting to me where he finally kind of gives up and he says, Dad, can you help me? And there's always that moment of, of course I will. Because I love to help you and I love when you ask me for things. And this is the relationship we have with God, no matter what we're going through, no matter how unimportant you think it is or how frivolous, God wants you to ask of him. The, the invitation is open, and God loves to hear from you. Next misconception we have is that asking God for things is unnecessary. And this can mean one of two things. Either I do everything for myself, and I don't need to rely on God, or I... Uh, he should just know what I need before I ask, right? And he should just give it to me. And we're tempted to ask that question all the time. Why do we need prayer? Why can't he just give me what I need before I even ask of him? This gets, puts us in a place of being proud and apathetic. And I try to think in this moment, what if I were in home as the parent and my son was just laying on the couch and he raises his finger and I'm supposed to know that means I'm supposed to bring him a chicken nugget in that moment, Right? What if he were just up in his room and, and he wanted a new toy and he claps and I run up the stairs with a toy he wants in the moment? He would be receiving some things from me. It rhymes with thinking, but it starts with SP. Right? He's not going to get those things. That's a terrible relationship to have as a child to a parent. And that's how God wants us to view him. Right? He wants us to bring all of these things to him. And it, relies, and it really develops in us this humble dependence on God for all things. And the last one is this, that asking God for things is unprofitable. And this is kind of what we just talked about. Like, well, I've asked God for many things, and he said no. So what's the point of asking him for anything? And sometimes, as I said, no is a very loving answer to give from God because he is more wise than any of us. Now, Mason found out that he loves to play with water balloons. And he was asking me over and over again when it was 10, 15, 20 degrees this winter if he could go outside and play with water balloons. Now, the loving answer in that moment is no. Or more realistically, yes, you can, but not right now. 
The other night, he wanted to eat a bunch of candy right before bed. And I said, no, because I understand what that's going to do to him. We might think that prayer, that traditionary prayer is unprofitable or unproductive, but really, we receive answers from God that we may not want, but we need. And we've talked about the answers of yes or the answers of no, but there's actually a lot of answers in between that God is answering in a very wise way. And that might be answers like, yes, but not in the way that you're asking. Or yes, but not for the reasons that you're asking. Or yes, but not now. I'm going to look at three more scriptures today that kind of go through those answers from God. So go ahead and, and flip forward now to 1 John. This is near the end of the New Testament. We're going to look at the verses that Steph read in the children's moment, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now, this is a a section where, where people may like to key in only on verse 15 and say, whatever I ask, God gives. But the confidence is not in our asking, but in God's will. And that's what we have to understand about petitionary prayer. Sometimes the answer is yes, but not in the way that you're asking. And the reality is we really love to make our own plans in life. And we have our, our 20-year, 12-point plan, and we know exactly how many children and bedrooms and finances and everything we need for the successful life that, that we can have all we want to make maximum impact, even for the right reasons. And say, God, if you give me the millions of dollars, I can really make a, a great impact for your kingdom in this world. And, and we make these plans that are so extensive, and then we say, God, this is what I need from you. Thanks. Now, if you just give that to me, then I'll do all of the good things that I know we need to do. But the Proverbs are clear that in our hearts, people create plans, but God is the one who directs the steps. Our confidence should first be in his will, not in our plans. And there's times that you may have really good objectives in your prayer life. God, I just want my family to come to know you. And I know what it means for that to happen, God. I I want you to put me in a position of respect in this family so I can speak to them and share the gospel and they respect me. But maybe God says, yes, I want all of them to know me. But the way it's going to happen is through some hardship and some difficulties and some pain. And you're going to walk through that pain with them. But you're going to be the one sharing the confidence in me, and the peace through those situations. God often has a different way than we plan, and our confidence should not be in how well we're asking him and how firmly we want things of him and how deep our faith is in the moment. Our confidence is in his will and only in his will. And that's the heart of prayer, that if it's not God's will for my life, then I don't want it in my life. If you come with your foolproof plan to God, that's confidence in yourself, which only proves you are a fool. Have confidence in God's will above all things. The next thing we're going to discuss is the answer God might give, yes, 
but not for the reasons you're asking. And this is where it's important to have good motivations in your prayer. So flip back a couple of books to James. We're going to read James 4, verses 2 and 3. The Apostle James writes, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, we don't know the context of the situation. We don't know what this church wanted, but it was clear that their motives, the motives of their heart were way off and they're really swept up in in selfishness. And God won't give you what you're asking for, even if it's something good, if your intent is to use it for selfish pleasures. This is an answer of no or yes, but not for the reason you're asking. And the first problem here, as we read in verse 2, is that they didn't ask God of anything. They believed in God, but they were not trusting Him for the provision in their life, and so they're fighting and killing and stealing to get what they wanted. And the second problem is that when they asked, they're asking for the completely wrong reasons. Their requests were not in the effort to serve God, but they're actually manipulating God to serve them and their own pleasures and desires. And this is what we'd call kind of the vending machine theology of prayer that Steph had talked about. It's to give me what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. There's no engagement of this trust in God who truly loves them and provides what is truly best for them in every situation. So sometimes we can ask for things, good things, for very bad reasons. And God will tell you no. And that's why along with prayers of asking for very specific things is maybe to have a prayer of self-examination, like in Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me. Maybe part of the frustration you're feeling, you could be feeling in prayer life, is you're asking for things for the wrong reasons. And God is good And God is loving, and he will not allow his own children to serve their own envy and jealousy and selfishness. But rather, as we bring our requests to him, he's going to lead us in what's not going to, he's going to give us what won't lead us towards self-destruction. So ask with the proper motives as you ask things of God. And the last thing we're going to talk about today is the importance of persistence and perseverance. Because the, the last answer you might get is the one of yes, I want to give this to you, but not now. And trusting in his timing. We flip back now in Luke 18. We're going to talk quickly about a parable here that Jesus shares with his disciples. And in verse 1 it says that Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And in our fast-paced world, patience is at a minimum. We're used to kind of always getting what we want exactly when we want it. But prayer, especially petitionary prayer, requires patience and perseverance. And so Jesus shared this parable in the next seven verses about this widow. And in this culture, widows were those who were kind of a symbol of innocence, but also helplessness. And they required a lot from the people around them. They couldn't do much for themselves, so they're really asking for everything in their lives. 
And this widow was asking something of an unjust judge. In the, in, in the parable, again, this is a hypothetical situation, but this judge didn't care about anyone. He didn't care what God thought of him. He didn't care what people thought of him. He was just out in life for number one. And this widow had some adversary in her life, some, something that was giving her trouble. Either someone who was stealing from her or abusing her or something that this is a problem in her life. She had nowhere else to go except to the selfish and the unjust judge. And she asked for justice in this situation, which is one of the most noble things we could ask for. And the judge ignored her. But she went day after day after day and kept asking for relief and justice in this situation. And finally, this judge, who didn't care about anyone, came to a place of being annoyed and paranoid. And he said, she just keeps asking. She won't give up. But also, if she's this determined about this, maybe she's going to try to take me down too. So I'll finally give her what she's asking for. And she received justice and relief in this situation. Now, this is one parable to kind of show the, the great contrast between people and God. If someone like this unjust judge who cared about no one still gave what this widow was asking for after she repeatedly asked over and over, how much more can we trust God? That if it's something he truly desires of us, if it's something in his will and is something that's truly for our good, that he will give us what we're asking for. But it may not come right away. So don't pray and don't give up. Stay persistent in prayer. Because you might be asking for all of the right things in the right way for the right reasons, but it may not be God's time. Keep praying. But through all this, as we think about asking God of things, I don't want anyone to shy away from this. I want us all to be asking everything of God that we need day by day, but I don't want us to have the wrong idea about this either. Prayer is about understanding God's will for your life. And the God of the universe, who created all things, invites you to ask him of things in prayer. Let's just, like, Realize that's, that's astounding. That's amazing. Let's not just take advantage of this privilege, though, but also understand the instructions that God gives us that we might be effective in this prayer. So as we conclude, remember that we ask all things in the name of Jesus. Ask according to his will, his character, that things would be done for his glory, that our wants would align with God's wants. And to bring all things to God. Don't shy away from this. Don't think that it's unnecessary or unproductive or unbecoming. He wants you to ask him of all things, big and small, in your life. And then have confidence in his will. Note at the end of the day, if his will is done, that's what we want for our lives. And there's no better place to be than in his will. To pray with the right motives. That things would not be used selfishly, but for God's kingdom and God's glory. And pray with patience. Maybe there's something you've been praying about for a long time. And the answer may not be no. The answer might be yes, but not yet. So keep praying and trust in his perfect provision. Let's close in prayer today. So God, we thank you again for the amazing privilege it is that we as a priesthood of believers can come directly to you in prayer 
that we have a great mediator and intercessor, your son, Jesus Christ, who brings all things to you. And we thank you that he has given us these promises that if we ask according to your will and for your glory and great faith of what you are to do in this world, that you'll give us what we ask. And there's a direct relationship between those things. But I pray for those who have come to a place of confusion. Maybe they've given up on their prayer life. Maybe they're not understanding what was promised. God, that you'd reinvigorate in them a passion just to bring all things to you. And that they'd have this time that they can communicate with you, our loving Father, in all things as, as your children. But I, God, I pray in all of this, in all of our prayer lives, no matter where we're at, whether we pray for a minute a week or 10 hours a day, God, that this would be a time that would help us understand who you truly are and that would truly conform us as people to be aligned with your will, that we'd be living for your glory and your purposes. So, God, we thank you for this, and we pray that you be glorified in all things. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.